Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mo Money Podcast. This is episode 245. How the hell did that happen? I don't know, but uh, I am Jessica Morehouse. I'm the host of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here listening to the first episode of season 11 of the show. Um, insane season 11, say what? And uh, we crossed the uh, the five-year threshold back in June, if you were listening back then. And uh, here we are in the second half of 2020. We're still, <laughs> we're still living through this year. It's still happening. Still happening. I hope your summer was good. I really needed the summer break. I felt like even like looking back at some of the episodes that are recorded and put out in season 10, which, you know, went through the winter and spring. My gosh, what a very bizarro time that was. You know, winter, everything was, you know, oh, this is going to be a great year. Can't wait for the new decade. And then, you know, things all kind of set on fire, um, basically for the rest of uh, the spring and and all that kind of stuff. And it was intense. It was intense. Um but I took the summer, you know, off from the podcast, which I'm so glad I did. I hope you were able to sort of enjoy the summer. I know it's kind of a weird year and we can't really go on like a typical vacation or anything like that. But I mean, I hope you, you know, enjoyed the better weather, I guess. I don't know. Um, for me, I pretty much spent the uh, summer, what did I do? Well, went on a few little mini breaks just in the province um, just to kind of get out of my house because, oh my gosh, I, I feel like I still rarely leave the house and can't wait for that to change. Um, but mainly I have been uh, trying to find the best podcast guests for this season. And I feel like, honestly, I've accomplished it. I've got such a great lineup of guests. I can't wait for you to hear what I've got in store for you. Um, first, for this first episode, I, I'm going to you know kind of start with the bang, I think. I've got an amazing guest. I've got the one and only Bob Berg, who is the co-author of one of my now, one of my favorite books now, The Go-Giver. He co-authored it with John David Mann, who you may remember from the podcast. John was on the show back for uh, episode 190 in March 27th, 2019. Um, and he was on the show because he also co-authored The Latte Factor, um, which is also a great book. If you haven't read it, pick it up. It's an easy read and kind of similar to The Go-Giver and just how it's written. It's written in a narrative form. So there's characters. You can really kind of just fall into the story and kind of put yourself in the shoes of the main characters and uh, just learn some things along the way. Um, but The Go-Giver, so how I discovered um, Bob, I've heard about his book before, but how I, um, you know, basically was motivated to reach out to him and ask him to be on the show is, um, I think it was maybe in June or July, I put out on Twitter, hey, I'm, you know, trying to do some more, you know, personal finance book reading because, you know, I have so many books on my shelf, but I just want to kind of know what else is out there, maybe something that I haven't clued into. And uh, one of my Twitter followers suggested The Go-Giver. She's like, it's not really a person, you know, your typical personal finance book, but it's amazing. And he was nice enough to um, kind of get into the conversation. And so I was just a bit ballsy. I'm like, you want to be on my show? And he said yes. And now he's on the show. And I can't uh, wait. Not only that, I'm going to be giving away uh, copies of his book. So, uh, make sure to listen until the end to find out more information about that. But before I get into this amazing, oh, maybe I should like, you know, give him a little bit of an intro. Hi, sorry, a little rusty from being off 
throughout the summer. <laughs> so Bob Burke is a Hall of Fame speaker and author of numerous books uh, on sales, marketing, and influence with total book sales of well over a million copies. And his book, The Go-Giver, which we're going to mainly stick to and talk about in this episode, is co-authored by John David Mann, who I mentioned, and it sold over 925,000 copies and has been translated into 28 languages. Now, Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is also an unapologetic animal fanatic and former member of the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in Jupiter, Florida. And he's just a delight. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna get into uh, the topic about really talking about like influence and just um, how we can kind of grow in our careers, and also you know you can take those lessons and really apply them to growing in your financial life as well. So you're going to love this episode. Before I get to it, though, uh, I just want to share a few words about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is supported by Jenny Life. Just over a year ago, my older sister had her first child, and as chaotic as becoming a new mom can be, getting life insurance to protect her family was still at the top of her to-do list. Maybe me being her sister and always talking about the importance of life insurance, especially for women, had something to do with it. Well, now it's just gotten easier to get life insurance online thanks to Jenny Life. Jenny Life seeks to break the status quo and make it easier for women to get the protection they need for their families. For example, did you know that at one time in the United States, it was illegal for women to own a life insurance policy? Although thankfully it is now legal, a recent survey found that only 67% of women have life insurance compared to 79% of men. Not only that, women typically get half the amount of coverage compared to men, meaning women are more likely to be underinsured. This is what Jenny Life is on a mission to rectify. How it works is Jenny Life asks you five simple questions, then curates plans from dozens of A-rated insurance carriers to provide you with a personalized, budget-friendly life insurance quote in seconds. No medical exams, no blood work. It's all online to offer you hassle-free, peace-of-mind policies that put your needs first. To learn more and to get your free life insurance quote today, visit JennyLife.com slash money. Once again, that's JennyLife.com slash money. Jenny Life is currently only available in the U.S. Welcome to the Mo Money Podcast, Bob. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you, Jessica. Great to be with you. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how this all worked out. I just asked a bunch of people on Twitter, hey, what's a good personal finance book recommendation. I got a bunch of different recommendations. One of them was yours, and I hurriedly bought it, loved it, and now you're on the show, and I'm so thrilled. <laughs> oh, thank you. And if I recall the Twitter conversation, too, it was, they said, the person who recommended said, not really about finance itself, because there's so many great ones out there on finance, you know, that, that really, that really talk about that. Absolutely. But you know what, that's, what's so great about, I think, personal finance in general is it doesn't have to just be about investing and budgeting. There's, it's such a, uh, kind of diverse world. And it's like this book, I'm probably going to recommend to everybody because it's a very easy read, which is such a nice (laughs) thing because there's a lot of people, including my husband, who's not a big reader and he's actually reading this and loving it. So it's like easy 
easy for anyone to pick up and uh, read pretty quickly, but just the messages are so applicable to so many different um, situations. It's not a business book per se. It can be applied to your personal life and your personal finances. So there's so many great nuggets in there. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. You know, it just, it just reminds me that when it, it when I was first in sales, you know, and I, I was reading uh, of course, how-to sales books, because those are very important when you're just starting out in sales and you know nothing about it. But it was really so many books I read that were just on personal development itself that helped grow on the inside, you know, and then you could take what you're learning in terms of the how-to and really uh, help manifest that on the outside. So, it, you know, it's both. Absolutely. And I think what I really appreciated uh, when I read it. I felt like I read it at the, I think you probably get this all the time, but I'm like, I picked it up at the right time. Like it really just, I'm like, wow, this is very timely for me just because, I mean, I'm self-employed. So is my husband. And so we talk about our businesses and growth and stuff all the time. And sometimes you get, when you're running your own business, uh, lost a little bit. You need some kind of foundational elements to remind you. And reading your book, I'm like, well, these are all the things that I think I sort of knew, but I needed that, like they confirmed what. But I knew, you know. It's a great compliment. Thank yeah. You. So I want to kind of first. I want to kind of get a, a feel for for um, your background. You're very successful um, and really know your stuff. Uh, how did you uh, get to the point to where you are? Just like you wrote this book, and it's based off a lot of your own personal experiences and things that you learned. How did uh, you decide to to write a book? And now it's like you know a global sensation. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, many years ago when I first started, and I began as a broadcaster, first on radio and then uh, television, but I wasn't really that good at it. I was better on radio, actually, than than uh, television, but I was, I was working for a, a very small ABC affiliate out in the Midwestern United States, and I was the late-night news guy, blah, 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 and, and it it just was not something I was I was particularly talented at. And so I, I like to say I graduated into sales. The challenge was, again, at the time, I knew nothing about sales. And so, and, and there was really no training at the, at the company where I was working. So I, I floundered for the first few months until I came across a couple of, of sales books in a, in a bookstore, which was a big thing to me. It, it doesn't sound like a big deal now because uh, sales books are so prevalent. They're, they're, we just, you know, that's not a big deal. But back then, it really wasn't like that. And you didn't have as, as many of those. And I didn't even know they existed. To me, it was what? There's something to sales other than just knocking on doors and making calls and blah, blah, blah about your product. And, you know, which, of course, is the wrong way to go about sales. But I, I didn't know any better. So so I got those two books. One was by Tom Hopkins. One was by Zig Ziglar. Within a few weeks of applying their information, my sales began to go through the roof. And and I realized that if you have a system for accomplishing something, you can pretty much accomplish it, you know. Uh, and and to this day, I personally would define a system uh, as the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles, the key being predictability. Uh, if it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired results of B, then you know all you need to do is A and continue to do A and continue to do A, and eventually you'll get the desired result of B. So that gave me a lot of confidence in in knowing that. And then as I, as mentioned, uh, as part of, of learning about sales, personal development became a big thing. And I started reading all the books that I'm sure you and your husband have on your bookshelf, the how to win friends and influence people and think and grow rich and the magic of thinking, you know, and all the, all the great personal development classics. 
Um, so, you know, from, from there, I just really got into the entire sales and personal development genre and, and eventually worked my way up to sales manager of a company and started also teaching other people how to do what was working for me and for my team. And, and what did they used to say on the old Seinfeld show? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, 35, 40 years later, here we are. So, yeah, so that, you know, that was really, uh, and, and of course, um, you know, the go-giver was, it wasn't my first book. My first one was called Endless Referrals, Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales, which was a book on business networking that first came out in the 90s. But it was when I teamed up with John uh, on the go-giver, and John's such a great writer. I mean, I'm a how-to guy. I mean, I'm step one, step two, step three, right? I'm that system guy, but John is a just a magnificent storyteller. Without him, this this wouldn't have been, you know, what it was. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Yeah, I'm curious. Why did you want to instead of doing, uh, you know, a you know very prescriptive how to book the narrative? I mean, personally, I love a narrative, and I feel like there's so many how to books, and they're great. But there's always something about reading a narrative because I, I, of course, had John on the show to talk about the latte factor, and I really liked that book. And so this one, of course, I loved. What do you think it is about explaining such, you know, core principles as you explain in the book in a narrative style that really affected people the way it did? I I think Jessica that stories connect. You know, they they connect on a on a heart to heart level. And there's an old saying by, you know, by the sages, words that come from the heart enter the heart. And I think storytelling is what facilitates that. And once the connections there with another human being, and, it, and again, it could be a, a reader and a and the the author. Um, I think then learning just takes place a lot easier. And I and I say that from personal experience only because for years I had enjoyed reading all sorts of parables, business parables, and they always connected with me. Right? It was great information, and I was able to apply it and learn it, and and so forth. So I, I and that's why we did that because really the endless referrals was sort of the in a sense, the how-to part was written 20 years earlier or uh, about 15 years earlier at that time before the, the go-giver. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that's why I love the narrative style. You can just kind of put yourself in the main character's seat a little bit and yeah. kind of see three, things through uh, their eyes, which really – like even just like his job, I'm like, oh, I was in a job like that. I definitely felt like that. You know, I, it was yeah, just like yeah, so yeah. real and tangible. Um, it, yeah, I think that's why I'm like it really just like hooked me in. But I really just like loved the messaging of your book because I feel like it's a good reminder because I, I, especially where you kind of set it up as like the go-getter. I'm like, I used to be the go-getter. I was 100% the go-getter and it was not getting me anywhere. And and the only time I feel like I really shifted and started seeing more success in my personal finances or in my personal life or uh, my career is when I started being more of a uh, you know go giver. And it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people when they think of the term giver, um, they don't maybe necessarily think of some of the messaging uh, things that you put in the book because sometimes like giving it's like you're giving you're selfish if you're giving because you're always going to get something back and all this. I just really love some of the messages. So I just want to kind of share some of them. Maybe we can kind of dive deep into them. So the first law is the law of value. Your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. This really got me because I kind of work in sales as part of my business. I work with one-on-one clients. I have to get them to book with me, to work with me on the phone. I'm not good at sales. I've never been good at sales. And for a good year, 
I'd have a bunch of leads and I'd never be able to close. And so I did work with a sales coach. She helped me. I think she definitely kind of shared some of these principles. And it was really about being authentic and genuine. And like, it's not about sales, it's about helping people with your own kind of skill set. And that kind of switched things around. But the whole value thing, really, I'm always trying to remind, almost every day, reminding myself, what am I doing? And am I providing value? Well, let's, let's go back. Can we go back for a second to where you said it's not about sales, it's about helping. Mm, okay. Is that, did I get that wrong or is that right? <laughs> no, no, it's, it, that's very intuitive. That's very intuitive because it seems like that's the case. Like there would be a dichotomy between the two. And that's why you, you, you have a lot of people who, and I, and I, I see articles all the time and I'll even see, uh, you know, teachings where people say, well, uh, don't sell serve or don't sell help. So what I, what I kind of like to do when I, when I work with salespeople is let's kind of reframe selling a little bit, because a lot of times when people say, well, I don't, let's say this, I don't like to sell. It's not that they don't like to sell. It's that they don't like to do what they think selling is because selling is thought of in many ways as, as trying to convince a person to buy something they don't want or need. Now, that, of course, is not selling. That's called being a con artist, right? <laughs> right. And then, then when none of us are interested in that. Uh, no, selling by definition, okay, is simply discovering what the other person does want, need, or desire, and helping them to get it. So that, so if we were to say, well, don't, it's not about selling, it's about helping. Well, I would say selling is about helping. Okay. So the, the so it's interesting. The, uh, and, and John is the one who first found this out because he's such a, a wordsmith. And, and we put this into the, the follow up to go givers sell more that the old English root of the word sell, which was salan, meant to give. So when you're selling, you're literally giving. Now, someone might say, well, wait a second, Berg, selling, giving. Yeah, that's great. But isn't that just semantics? And, and I don't think so. And here's why. Let's say you have a potential coaching client in front of you, okay? And you're doing your, your um, discovery. You're doing your initial call to see if the two of you are, are a fit. Well, it's also, it's a sales presentation. You're still selling. So if you're selling, what are you giving? I suggest you're giving that person time attention, counsel, education, empathy, and most of all, value. So I always want people to, if they're in sales and we're all in sales, <laughs> right? I, I want us to see selling as helping, you know? Because I know that's what you do because you're going to give this person wisdom. Whether or not they, they even decide to do business with you, I guarantee they're getting more value just even from the conversation than they would if they hadn't. But of course, if they become your client, now they're getting immense value. So, so let's look at the difference between, or let's look at the law of value, right? You said the true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, this sounds counterintuitive, totally, right? Give more in value than I take in payment? I mean, really, that, it, that sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy, <laughs> okay? So, so, so let's look at how, how this really works. What's important is to understand the difference between price and value. Okay? See, price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something, 
to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, this service, this concept, this idea that brings so much worth to another human being that they will willingly exchange their money for this and be glad, be grateful that they did while you also make a very healthy profit. Uh, can we look at maybe one example mm-hmm. yeah. of how this would work? And, and just and this is just on a very, very basic level, a very surface level. Uh, you hire an accountant to do your taxes and she charges you $1,000. That's her her fee, literally her price, $1,000. But what value does she provide you in exchange for this? Well, a few things. One is she she saves you $5,000 in taxes. She also saves you countless hours of time, which allows you to do what you're more qualified to do and what would you rather do. Uh, She also provides you and your family with the peace of mind and security of knowing it was done correctly. So she actually gave you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 fee or price. Now you feel great about it because you receive much more in value than what you paid. And she also made a very healthy profit because to her, it was well worth leasing her time, knowledge, wisdom, energy for that thousand dollars. And in any uh, free market-based exchange, meaning no one's forced to do business with one another. They do it on their own volition. There are always two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them came away better off afterwards than they did beforehand. Now, that's the law of value, but why did it happen? It happened because of her focus. Her focus was not on the fee. Her focus was on providing you immense value. This is why we say that money is simply an echo of value, right? Uh, It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means nothing more than that the value comes first. That's the focus, bringing value to the other person. The focus is on the value. The money you receive is simply a, a natural result of the value you've provided. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. So it's really just about redefining what sales is. And yeah, like you said, that's exactly how I used to and still sometimes uh, perceive the term sales. It's something icky. And you know, you, you kind of think of the used car salesman. I'm like, I'm so not that. I just want to help people. But I obviously need to also make money so I can live and grow and all that kind of stuff. So I, I yeah, it's both. It should be both. It's both. Yeah. Right. It, it, you're right. There's no dichotomy. There's There's... Yeah. In fact, in the law of receptivity, which is one of the laws, right? Remember the example at the end of the book where Pindar, the mentor, had Joe, the protege, breathe out yeah, and try not breathing in. Can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Can't do it. (laughs) Right. So we breathe out and we breathe in. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving, and we breathe in, which is receiving. You simply cannot do one without the other. They're, they're two sides of the very same coin. And despite the messages of lack we receive from the world around us, which is filled with lack and filled with misinformation about money and, and, and abundance and all those things, what we've got in, you know, people like you help us to understand this. And that is that, you know, uh, that, that both are important. And, uh, you know, we focus on the giving. But then we also need to allow the receiving. It's not, it's not, are you a giver or a receiver? No, it's you're a giver and a receiver. But the way life works is 
you focus, the giving comes first. You know, you don't, like we say in the book, right? You don't go to a fireplace and say, first, you give me some fire and heat, and then I'll throw on some logs and some newspaper and light a match. You don't go to a bank and say to the bank manager, uh, hey, I'm thinking of opening an account, but first, you pay me an interest payment, and then I'll make a deposit. Life doesn't work that way. Successful people work within the rules work within the laws of nature. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know which law this is, but I, I remember this really stuck with me, the passage about um, where um, uh, the main character, I forget his name, but he was talking with his wife and they have that deal. It's like you can only uh, complain for a certain amount of time. And it was all about 50-50. And how it's like, well, that's not life. And it shouldn't be, you know, especially when I kind of think of like networking, some people have this idea. And I think I used to have this idea in the past where it's like, okay, well, I did this for him. So now I can call in a favor, but that shouldn't be how it is. And also that's also like hard to track. And I just don't personally like that doing so kind of going into the, the more of the idea of giving and, and I guess just doing it in an authentic way. I'm not sure what law that is, but it really stuck with me because I'm like, I always, and that's something that I also need to improve in myself is like sometimes I know people uh, refer, you know, people to me and I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm doing that enough. And it's not, a, you know, I want to make sure we're 50-50. I just need to be more aware that I need to also give. I'm receiving. I need to also give. Yeah. You know, it's we say it's a 100-100. You know, it's just 100. It's not 50-50. It's just 100. So you give without keeping score. But yeah, uh, what you know, what we say is is give without attachment to the results. Um, so again, it's not, it's not, a, and that was the law of influence, which, which says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, when we say this, because I want to make sure to really clarify, when we say place the other person's interests first, we don't mean you should be anyone's doormat, uh, or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply that as Joe, the protege in the story learned from several of the mentors the golden rule of, of business, of sales, of, of what have you, is simply that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And the fastest, most powerful, most effective way to elicit those feelings toward you in others is to genuinely and authentically move from an I focus or me focus to what we call an other focus, looking for ways to, as Sam, one of the mentors advised Joe, make your win all about the other person's win. And when you do this day after day, week after week, month after month, consistently and constantly, and you develop a reputation for this, this is where you become that go-to person. And you've got that, what we call army of personal walking ambassadors uh, out there singing your praises. Yeah. And it's, it, I think sometimes too, especially if you're maybe just starting out in a new, trying to build your network, it seems difficult, but I kind of look back, like using my husband as example, we've been in Toronto for seven years. When we moved here, we didn't know a soul. And he's somehow in his mind, he's like, I don't know how built this network of kind of ambassadors, like his whole network of how he gets business um, is all through referrals. And I think he actually was applying your laws before knowing them because he is the most genuine, authentic. He does not know how to network, you know, quote unquote, but it's it's this authentic thing. And it's like, wow, I should really take a 
page out of his book because he did it so organically. <laughs> well, he he does it very intuitively. It's just who it's it's who he is, and because it's who he is, it's what he does. Yeah, and it's just like so important. Not even if you just run your own business, but you know the examples were this guy Joe worked in an office like many of us have, and you still have to network and build your representation or uh, reputation rather. Um, and so we can all apply to this to however we work, and it's so important to do so. And one thing I, I also really like, so talking about the second law, the law of compensation, this really also got me. So your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. I was uh, interesting having a conversation with my husband because again, sometimes it makes uh, like for me, I'm like, well, I guess that means if I have a bigger audience, then I can sell more products. That seems pretty um, uh, simple. But for him, he works uh, as uh, you know, like a mixing engineer. So he works with one-on-one musicians, mixes their music, and so he can really only work with so many people because his time is finite. But how you can charge more is basically if you're uh, you've worked on bigger projects, and those bigger projects have a bigger audience. That's how he's kind of figured out what that means. I thought that was just so interesting how you put that, especially the example used in the book um, about just, it's not about the more people you reach and touch, the easier it'll be to, to I guess, kind of make more money or serve more people. Yeah. I, well, yeah, no, that, that is it because the, the, your income is determined by how many people you serve as well as how well you serve them. And so Nicole Martin, uh, she was the CEO in the story. And she was a school teacher who loved her work, loved her job, loved the kids, loved the parents. They loved her. But she was only able to really affect the lives of a limited amount of people every year, right? There's only so many people in a classroom. Um, So she found a way to basically scale her wisdom and her value, if you will, and be able to touch the lives of a lot more people through her learning systems for children, which was an online learning uh, system. And so... You know, so how can we do that when we're in business? So, for example, as a as a as a coach, obviously, if you're doing one on one coaching, sure, you can only coach a certain amount of people at a at a time uh, or, you know, during a day or during a week. Of course, you could scale by doing group coaching or you could also scale by putting together a, you know, a, a, a video series for other coaches on how to acquire coaching clients or how to coach or how to do this or how to do that, you know, what have you, which you then sell to a whole universe of coaches. So there's all sorts of ways to, you know, depending upon what a person does to be able to scale their business in order to serve more people. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of an exciting thing, especially in the world we are in now where it's more possible or easy to do that. Whereas before it's very difficult to, to expand or to kind of broaden um, your audience. But now it's kind of easier than ever, which yeah. is really yeah. exciting. There's a lot more opportunity. And for me, like, and that's part of the reason I like being self-employed is there's not really a ceiling in terms of how much I can earn. Like, exactly. obviously, you know, there's limitations and all that kind of stuff, but it's kind of exciting that there's, whereas when I worked, you know, a corporate job, there was a ceiling. It was my salary. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. Sure. Sure. Because I can only serve so many people in that particular role. So it's just something to think about. Now, I wonder because, so this book's been around for a while and it's sold almost a million copies. And I mean, which is crazy. You've affected so many people. I know in the book, it also, I think it was in the introduction that now a lot of corporations and CEOs like do retreats all about your book. I'm so curious. Do you have any stories about some of the people that you've affected that want, you know, maybe share their success stories with you by implementing some of your practices? Well, you know, we, we've been very fortunate because we've had a lot of, of emails from people that 
that do share that. What was interesting to us is for the first, I'd say, six months when the when the book uh, was on the market, and we were fortunate that that it got off to a really quick start. What happened was, and and I guess I don't know why we we didn't really expect this is the way it was going to go, but now in hindsight, it makes sense that the early adopters of the book were the people who didn't need it. Uh, these are the people who, well, as you described your husband, you know, people who just intuitively understood this. These these were people we would hear from, I mean, leaders of industry and huge sales organizations and, and so, so forth that already built a huge um, followership. And they'd say, you know, well, this is what I've been doing. You guys just put it into words, which, by the way, uh, it makes a lot of sense because, as John and I both say, there's nothing in this book that's particularly new, <laughs> Right. And I used to get asked that a lot when I was first interviewed, when the book kind of got that fast start. And I'd be asked, well, well, so what's this in this book that you and man that wrote that's so so new? And I'd say nothing. It was just, you know, because best success principles are success principles. They've been around forever. Uh, they don't change. They're, that's why they're principles, right? And, and, so, um, and so they were the ones that got the book. And then the second wave that we heard from were the people who received the book from their leadership and said, well, and those are the people who didn't really know that this was a way to do it. Uh, one of my favorite stories is just the, the, the realtor, very, very successful realtor who had said that, that she was sort of made fun of and put down by her, by the leadership in her company uh, when she was working for another company, because she had, uh, you know, continually put the interests of her of her customers first, and they was oh no, 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 and and you know, and and she felt bad, and she didn't know any better. She thought, well, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe this business isn't for me. And then she read the book, and she said, oh wait, no, it is. And this is you can do business this way. Well, she turned out to be extremely successful, and it and really, it's not that the book taught her anything she didn't know. It just reaffirmed to her or affirmed to her that she was on the right track doing what she was doing. Yeah. And I think that's why when I read the book, I literally read it in one sitting pretty much just like whipped through it because it's, yeah, like I kind of said at the beginning of this episode, it's not like this was necessarily new, but you packaged it in such a coherent way that it was just like, oh yeah, like duh, you know, <laughs> lots of like duh moments for I'm like, of course, Jessica. But also it just, yeah, really remind, it was like a reminder that I needed to be like, remember when you were doing this stuff and it was working. And then for some reason you went off course and tried a couple different things that didn't work out. And now you're kind of like, wait, what am I doing? This is a great book to remind yourself go back to what you were doing, or maybe you're doing something not 100% the way you should be. Try some of these. These will work. Because like I said, it's not new information, but man, do we need a reminder of these, I think, maybe, you know, every once in a while <laughs> to remember why we're doing this in the first place. I think, especially when you're, you know, no matter what, whatever kind of part you're in your career, we need a reminder of like, what am I doing here? And what and why? And what direction am I going in? I feel like I've been having a lot of conversations uh, with people lately because of the pandemic. A lot of people are having, you know, these kind of moments or, or just times are like, let's re rethink what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> and why, why are we doing it? So it's so very timely. So um, yeah, I just can't say anything nicer. I just can't stop talking about your book and I probably won't for a while. <laughs> uh -huh. 
Thank you. Well, it's that's very kind. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I'm going to tell everybody to grab a copy of your book, write some notes, um, and have some... Co- I, this is like the perfect book too, I think, to have conversations with people about because there's so much to dive into and so much to talk about. So it's it's really special. So thank you so much. Before I let you go, because um, I know you have a number of other books that people want to dive into after this. Where can people find more information about you and some of your other books that they can check out? Uh, the best place to go is Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. And if they scroll down, they can actually go to where we have a number of our books there and they can get the first chapter or an excerpt and read it for, you know, read that for free to see if they like where it's headed. Then they can always uh, click through. Uh, I also have a, a mini course, a video uh, for for video mini course, which is free, which is called uh, Selling the Go-Giver Way. So when they go to the site, they'll see that as well. And they can just click on that and get immediate access to it. Amazing. Well, I'm going to check that out. And of course, you're on Twitter because that's where I found you. Yeah, that's where I had the honor of meeting you. And and since you're since you're in Canada, I I say the honor H O N O U R. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> we we don't have that U. In the I state. know we always have a couple different U's and color and honor. I don't know neighbor. I don't know why we do that, but we do it. <laughs> well, thank you again for being on the show, Bob. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And that was episode 245 of the Mo Money Podcast with the wonderful Bob Berg. You can find him at berg.com. That's B-U-R-G.com is where you can find more information about him. Of course, make sure to follow him on Twitter because he's like, you know, (laughs) I actually talked to him on Twitter. That's how I got him on the show. So uh, he's lovely. Tell him, you know, if you read the book you like the book, he'll probably, uh, you know, say thank you or chat with you on Twitter. Uh, He's just at Bob Berg. Um, You can also find him on Instagram at Real Bob Berg. He's also on Facebook and LinkedIn. He also has a YouTube channel. I'm going to include all those links in the show notes. Make sure to check out the show notes. JessicaMorehouse.com slash 245 is where you can find all that information. Now I've got some other really great things to share with you because I feel like we got some things to chat about. We've been taking, I've taken the summer off. I have things to share with you. So do not go away, including some more information about how to win a copy of Bob's book. So do not go away. Here's just a few words about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is supported by Jenny Life. Here's a statistic that may shock you. Not only do men have more life insurance than women, on average, they have twice as much coverage. Jenny Life is striving to shrink that gap. No matter if you're single, a working mom, expectant mom, or your kids are four-legged fur babies, if you have dependents and want to protect them, you need life insurance, and Jenny Life can help you with that. Jenny Life makes it fast and easy for women to feel confident that their families will be taken care of with life insurance that's uniquely built for their needs. For example, did you know that before Jenny Life, if a pregnant woman wanted life insurance, she'd have to use her pregnancy weight on her application, which would lead to higher rates? That's the type of inequality Jenny Life is working to dismantle. With Jenny Life, you can get your life insurance policy without blood work or unnecessary red tape, and you can do it all online from your own home. And considering the uncertain times we live in, making sure your loved ones are properly protected with life insurance has never been more important. To learn more and to get a free quote right now, visit JennyLife.com slash money. Once again, that's JennyLife.com slash money. Jenny Life is currently only available in the U.S. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So just want to to fill you in and what I've been kind of up to because I didn't really 
share too, too much at uh, the beginning of this episode. So um, it has been an interesting summer to say <laughs> the least. I mean, typically for the past several years, um, I have spent the summer usually in Vancouver for a good, you know, three weeks uh, or, or maybe a little bit longer. I was really hoping to do that. This year, obviously, I have a niece who is growing up. She just turned one and I'm obsessed with her and I really wanted to see her because, you know, as great as FaceTime and videos and photos are, you know, the real thing. You need the real thing. Unfortunately, did not uh, did not do that because I just do not feel safe getting on a plane right now. I'm kind of, uh, yeah, being uh, cautious um, because we're still living in a pandemic, even though uh, it seems like some people don't remember that we're living in a pandemic and we are. Um, so instead, me and my husband just kind of uh, stayed where we are. I did a few short little trips, uh, just like kind of weekends away uh, at some like, you know, Airbnbs in like the middle of nowhere just to get out of our house because we're just living here. And it's funny because I didn't think at the beginning of this, I'm like, I was joking. Oh, this isn't going to be that big of a deal locking down or just staying home and yada, 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 because I, I work from home anyway. Well, apparently I do like leaving the house. So yeah, it's kind of a big deal. And I'm going a little crazy. What I have been really focusing on, quite honestly, throughout the summer to take my mind off things is, of course, making this podcast one of my best seasons ever, getting some really uh, great guests and also um, you know, I, I made a promise uh, in my last episode of season 10 that I was going to do better in terms of uh, making sure I have a more diverse lineup uh, in the show because it's so important to have different voices, different experiences, um, and I want to do better um, and, you know. Yeah, so that's I'm definitely doing that, and I'm really happy because I think that's why this show is going to be, or this this season is going to be the best it's going to be because uh, of all the amazing and different types of guests I have um, this uh, season. So very excited about that. But another thing I've been focusing on um, is, ugh, and I'm going to tell you this, and th here's why. Okay, so uh, I I sort of sometimes mentioned it, maybe in one email to my email subscribers, maybe loosely on social media, but I don't like really talking about these things because I'm always afraid of jinxing them. But I have been studying for the Canadian Securities course. Of course, I signed up for two years ago and never actually bothered to study for or take it. And basically, um, my um, course, uh, you know, enrollment was going to expire this summer. They extended it till the end of October because of COVID. And so I'm like, okay, this is it. You got to freaking study. Otherwise, you basically, if you want to do it again, you have to pay another $1,000 or whatever the cost is. And I certainly don't want to do that because I am cheap. So uh, I've been spending all summer studying my heart out for this exam. And today, today, is actually my first exam. So I am uh, freaking out. So if you can send me some good vibes, so because this episode will air while I'm taking it, just send me some good vibes and let's hope I pass exam number one. There's another exam I take in the middle of October. Also, so many good vibes for that. But this one, if basically I fail it, um, I'm probably going to cancel exam number two and just, I guess, pay the $1,000 because I really want to just, you know, do, ex you know, basically section number one and then section number two. I don't want to get muddled if that makes any sense. So if you can send me some good vibes, that's cool. But also I'm telling you this because if I fail, that's okay. And that's a big lesson I've been like, I've been having a lot of time to like reflect on life and the direction of my career and life and just what do I want? I feel like you probably have too. And so many other people have to have had so many conversations about what are we doing in life? Um, and one thing that I've realized is failure shouldn't be something that we try to avoid. If it happens, it happens. Basically the actual lesson is 
if you fail, don't give up, which I feel like we probably learned this from, you know, sitcoms growing up, but it's like something that just did not stick with me for a long time. I thought the the goal was to succeed or to win or pass or whatever the case, but actually you learn a lot from failing. And if I fail, which could be a possibility, and I'm going to tell you if I fail or if I pass next Wednesday, um, then that's okay. That's not going to stop me from trying again and passing this damn course. Because my new kind of goal, I think, is to continue with my education in financial planning. And um, I'm going to put it out there, maybe become a CFP. Maybe. Um, I don't really have this plan or this this vision of like, you know, the traditional financial planner. I don't want to become a CFP so I can open my own financial planning firm and do that full time. I absolutely love what I do, content creating, um, you know, sharing personal finance information online through all my different channels. That's always what I want to do, but I'm always just looking for ways to upgrade my skills and my knowledge and just know more so I can be a better podcast host and be a better, you know, financial literacy advocate. So that's what's going on with me. And uh, I hope you know that I was being very vulnerable then because honestly, I haven't really told anyone about this, but I'm putting it out there as like one of those, I, I don't, what's the term? It's it's like manifestation. Is that what it, you put it out there and you believe it's going to happen and then it happens. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. So that's what I'm going to be basically, that's what I, I feel like I've been really radio silent for the past several months on social media. Um, you know, not like doing all these super exciting things everyone's doing because, uh, yeah, I've been hunkering down studying, which is, um, super exciting to share on Instagram. Um, but once I hopefully pass both exams, um, I, I've got some, I'm, I'm going to be working on some cool projects. Um, but one thing that I have done before all this happened that I want to remind you of a couple things to remind you of is, um, number one, I have been putting out more YouTube videos. That is my big goal for from now on is to really focus and double down on YouTube because I actually really like it. I feel like I've figured out my lighting and my makeup and that's it's not too terrifying anymore. So make sure to check out my YouTube channel. If you just go on YouTube and you know Google Jessica Morehouse, you'll find me. There's also a sp- separate YouTube channel just for the podcast. So if you just Google Mo Money Podcast, you'll find it in YouTube as well um, because I just wanted to ha- have them separated. So if you want to listen to episodes on YouTube, you can do that now. They're all, all the episodes are there. Um, but uh, another thing that I launched in June was, and I think maybe I told you about this, but I can't remember. It's been so long. Um, I have a new shop page on my website. So it's not like, I'm not like selling t-shirts or whatever. I'm selling budget spreadsheets. That's what I'm doing. Uh, I've got my courses of course uh, on there as well my fix your finances masterclass which i'm going to share more info about because i'm going to do another live version um most likely starting in november basically once i'm done this damn exams um i'm gonna um do another live version i did one with uh students over the summer and it was awesome so i definitely want to do that again i have my investing course investing foundations for canadians that i have been slowly updating as well to make it even better but you can sign up now um and there's already a lot of updates you can take advantage of i of course am still working on my diy passive investing course for canadians that has taken a backseat since i started just you know, focusing all my attention on the CSC. Um, but yeah, budget spreadsheets. If you want to budget, there's of course my free ones on there, but if you have a specific situation like you're self-employed or you're in a couple and one of you is an employee and self-employed or what, like there's so many different scenarios, um, that I discovered basically working with so many different financial counseling clients, um, that I made all these different, um, budget spreadsheets that you can download for hardly any money. Quite honestly, they're very cheap. Um, 
but they also come with a full video library. So there's tutorials on how to properly use it. And since I mentioned financial counseling, um, honestly, I haven't really promoted it that much because I didn't want to take on too many clients because I'm studying so much. But you, of course, can uh, go to my website. Uh, there's a financial counseling section. And if you did want to uh, book me, um, we can look into that basically working together in like November, December. <laughs> so yeah, basically all my energy is going into this damn exam and I feel like I cannot move on with my life until it is over. Does anyone else feel like that when it comes to the exams? Is it just me who's like super anxious about it? Anyways, that's just me. I hate exams. I hate them so much. Can't wait to be over with it. And then of course, doing other courses and other exams because I'm a glutton for punishment. Anyway, so that is kind of what's been up with me. I hope you enjoyed that little um, story time with Jessica. Um, I also wanted to say thank you so much for anyone. You know, if you've been a longtime listener, thank you so much for being so loyal to me. I've been getting so many more messages. I feel like maybe because I've been asking you to message me on like social media um, from people saying, oh, thanks so much. I really, really like the uh, podcast. Oh, I should also mention, you know, follow me on Instagram at Jessica I. Morehouse, but I also do have a separate Mo Money podcast Instagram that I'm going to, you know, share episodes on um, just in case you just want to follow the podcast specifically, but follow me on Instagram. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for saying all these kind things about the podcast. It really, it really means a lot. And if you're brand new and you just discovered, welcome, got a huge back catalog uh, for you to listen to. If you want to start taking your finances seriously. And honestly, and I've been saying this so much, what this is the perfect time to actually do something about your finances. Yes, during a crazy crisis time in the world. That is what, you know, triggered me to um, start reading personal finance books and really get into this world. Guess what? It was the it was the recession. It was the 2008 2009 recession is when I started reading blogs, reading books, and then got the idea to start my own blog, which is crazy because here I am now doing this as my full time job. So it was that crisis that kind of inspired me to take my finances seriously. So let's use this as an opportunity to create something good out of all this crap, really. Okay. So that is it for me. Make sure to check out the show notes for more information about um, Bob Berg and the contest. Oh, did I even mention the contest? No, sorry. Um, JessicaMorehouse.com slash contest or contests, either one doesn't matter. Type it into your browser. It'll pop up. That is where you can submit uh, or you can enter to win a copy of his book or just go to the show notes for the link, JessicaMorehouse.com slash 245. Um... Okay, so the contest, I think that's it. I think that's all I've got for you. Thanks for listening or um yeah, that's that's it. That's it. I just I think I missed you. I think I missed missed talking to you and I'm so excited to be back. So, uh I'll see you back here next Wednesday and I'm going to give you the results of my exam. Oh my god, I hope I pass. I'll be so sad if I have to tell you I failed. That is not going to be a good time. But you know what? It's okay cuz we're not going to be afraid of failure. That's what we're not doing in 2020. Okay. I'll see you back here next week. Have a good rest of uh, your week. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.